dispatch saying, this little light of mine, and um, the patch group saying about, don't look down, look up, and the song we've just sung said, dark is the outlook, but bright is the uplook. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of darkness around here, and it could get a person discouraged until you realize the darker the night, the brighter the light shines. And that's what we're called to be a light. And um, these are great opportunities for us. Invite you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We have been going through the book of 1 John. And um, in the process... John reminds us of many things over and over again. Um, He understands that the key to learning is repetition. And so as we go through this, it would be tempting to say, Ah, we've already talked about this, so let's not go on. And we've already talked about this, so let's just go on. But um, God in His sovereignty has recorded the Word for us. And we have much to learn here. And if you'll begin reading, I'll begin reading in verse 17 of 1 John chapter 4. If you'll follow along, we'll read down through the remainder of the chapter. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth not is made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again in sincerity and truth for the word of you that we are able to have, to read, to meditate on. Lord, indeed, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I pray today that we would walk in the light. And Lord, I pray today that Your Spirit would make personal application as only You can to each and every one of our hearts with these truths we ask in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. There is nothing more practical than following Christ. Um, One of Satan's ploys is to get where Christianity or being a follower of Christ is limited to our personal devotions, our time in church and prayer, or the times that we're maybe talking to someone about Christ. But 
being a follower of Christ should affect every detail of our life, our worldview, how we see things, how we respond to things. And John is really bringing this out and bringing this home in, in this epistle that he's writing. There are three lies that John has dealt with, and, and it's kind of like he, he deals with one lie, then another lie, then another lie, and then he'll come back around and he'll deal with those three lies again. And the three lies that John deals with in this book is the lie that I can walk with God and live in disobedience. That's a lie. It's a moral lie. It deals with um, that that deals with morals. The second lie is the claim that I can know God while denying what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ. You can't walk with God and deny what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ. This is a doctrinal lie. And the third lie is a relational lie. I can love God, but I don't necessarily need to love the brethren. And it's a relational lie. And throughout this epistle, he deals with this many times over. And in verse 20, he jumps right into it with both feet. And he said, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. True love to God is always accompanied by love for our Christian brothers and sisters. Now, there are many confusing ideas about what love is, and we're not going to go into detail on that today or this morning. Tonight we'll go into more detail. But suffice it to say, love is not just approving whatever the person does. Love is doing what is best for the other person. And I cannot love God without loving my brothers and sisters. Our love to one another is what really manifests that we love God. When we claim to love God and we can sing songs about God and we can know facts about God and we can tell others about God, and yet we lack basic love to fellow believers, it reveals that we really are not dwelling in truth. John's key point here is not some emotion. It's not that we always have warm, fuzzy feelings toward one another. When someone says, I love God, and he hates his brother, you might say, well, I don't have anything against someone else here today. I don't, I don't hate them. Um, that's not really what it's talking about here. Hate in the typical Jewish manner deals with failing to show love in any practical and tangible way. 
See, we think of hate as I have something against them. And I am slandering them and bitter and angry and so on. When John wrote this, they understood that it meant I am not showing in a practical and tangible way any aspect of love toward them. It's not just a negative, it's the lack of the positive. That I am not manifesting this. Because if we know God, we have been recipients of His grace, of His mercy, of His love. And He said, as He gave the parable of the unmerciful servant pleaded with his master for mercy and was granted abundant mercy and then turned and showed no mercy to someone with a minor infraction toward him, he said he does not understand the love of God. And what John is saying If our love for God is not reflected in our love for others, it's not shown in a practical, tangible way, he said, we're a liar if we say we love God. That is strong terminology. But that's the Word of God. Our deeds reveal our heart. We cannot separate our love for God and our love for Christians. In God's economy, the two operate as one. So, he says, true love to God is always accompanied by love for our Christian brothers and sisters. Then you notice he goes on, and it's like he's building his case. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen... How can he love God whom he hath not seen? Now, most of you know that I really like chocolate, okay? But I'm going to try to emphasize some self-control here today. I'm going to ask John and Asa if they'd come up here. You both like chocolate too, don't you? Okay. So um, you take that, and here's a Hershey's Milk Chocolate. Now, I've developed a little song, I Love Chocolate, okay? It, you'll know the tune. It's, um, oh, how I love chocolate. Oh, will you join me in it? Oh, how I love chocolate. Oh, how I love chocolate. It always brings me joy. You like that? Some of you, that's the only thing you're going to remember from today. I know that. (laughs) Now, is there evidence that they love chocolate? How many of you have proof that Asa loves chocolate? How many of you have proof that John loves chocolate? No, there's really no proof that he loves chocolate. He may sing praise about chocolate. He could even um, tell others that he loves chocolate. But if you say you love chocolate and don't eat chocolate when it's given to you, 
You are a liar. In essence, that's, you might say, he has manners. But this is an, this boy really believes the Lord could come at any time. And I don't want to leave a chocolate bar for some ungodly sinner to eat, all right? What God is saying is, if you say you love God and don't love something visible, God, we can't see. But we see fellow believers made in the image of God. And if you, you may sing about them, you may sing about Him, you may pray, you may tell others that you love God, but if the bottom line is you don't really love those that you can see, you don't love God. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. And I know, John, you take that. I don't want your garbage, okay? Now, you don't need to watch John to see if he really likes chocolate if he eats it in the service here, okay? This is what John is saying here. He says, we, we live many times as Christians in a fantasy world. Oh, I love God, and so God brings His own image, other believers, right into our life. And we say, what a weirdo he is, and she is, woo, you know, and we just have personality differences, and dee, 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 dee. And, God, and John, you think this isn't fun for you to hear. You go work on it all week and see how much fun it is, okay? John is saying, if you do not love one another, you are a liar. If you can't love that which is seen, how are you going to love that which is not seen? Every claim to love God is a delusion if it is not accompanied by unselfish, practical love for the brethren. There is, there is only one of few ways to know whether your claim to love God is self-deception or not, and it's namely in how we relate to other people. If you don't love your brother whom you can see, then there is open evidence that you can't be telling the truth when you talk about the invisible workings of your heart toward an invisible God. See, this is one reason, one of many reasons, why God designed a local church. God said, once you come to know me as personal Savior, he said, I designed you to be plugged into a local assembly and there to grow. And I'm going to grow you in a context where everybody else is out of your control. You can go find a group of three or four or five people that are really like you and you can spend time reading and praying and encouraging one another, that's fine, but that's never a substitute for the church. 
Because in the church, we are all different, and really different, and we need to be a family in order to grow, and that's where you learn to love. When things don't go the way you want, when feelings get hurt, when you're called upon to forgive, when you're called upon to bear with, when you're called upon to love the unlovely. And that's one of the purposes that God designed. The idea here is not that we are absolutely perfect or that our love is perfect. But the fact of the matter is that we are learning to carry out the love of God through us toward others. And without a love for Him, we cannot love others. And without manifesting that love for Him, we need to go back and check, do I really love God? So... John says, if a man says, I love God, and is not showing in a practical, tangible way his love for others, he says he is a liar. Because how can we love the invisible when we reject loving the visible? And then he goes on and he says... And this commandment have we from him that we, he who loveth God, love his brother also. This is a command. If we love God, to love our brother also. God's commands are not suggestions. It's good to know the Ten Commandments, but if you want to boil them all down, you can boil them down to two. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. There's no room for debate with God's commands. As a follower of Christ... There's, there's no choice. There's no place for deliberation when it comes to His commands. It's God's will that the Christian correlate love for others with the love of God. That those two are hand in hand. So John is really bearing down on him. And, and part of the problem to those in, in recipients of this letter were that they, they were spiritualizing things and saying, oh, I love God and it, it doesn't matter what I do. And we can very easily do the same thing in our own life. I love God, but it doesn't matter that this isn't in order and this isn't right. But John says, if a man say, I love God, and is not showing in any practical and tangible way love to his brother... He is a liar. The word liar occurs five times in 1 John, more than any other book. A liar is someone who attempts to deceive by conveying misinformation. And indeed it is a strong language intended to get attention. 
To claim the fellowship with God and walk in darkness is a lie. That's that first lie that he dealt with, a moral, a moral test. I say I love God, but I'm walking in darkness and disobedience. That's a lie. To claim I love the Father and deny the Son, that's the doctrinal one, that is a lie. And to claim to love God and not love Christians is a lie. Jesus in his life came down hard upon religious people. And he dealt with this because religious piety that does not produce practical deeds of love is just empty talk, or indeed worse than empty, John says it is a lie. You know, it's easy for us to sing... I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice. It's easy to sing, O how I love Jesus. It's easy to sing, More love to thee, O Lord. But do we love the followers of Christ that we see, first of all, in our own home? Are we, in a practical and tangible way, blessing their lives and manifesting love to those in our own home? Then are we manifesting that love? We'll just just go to two areas, in our family and in our church family. Do we manifest that love? What practical, tangible ways are you manifesting this? And as I mentioned, tonight we'll go into more detail on on that. But when we profess love for God, we also profess to love like He loves. And we test our love for God by our love for Christians. It doesn't matter what we claim. If we do not love fellow believers... We are deceived, we are fake, we are phony. As John says, we are a liar. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, we learn that the key to knowing love isn't found in our love for God, but it's found in His love for us. And he showed this great depth of love that just last week we, we focused on the cross and the resurrection, the sacrificial death of Christ for our sins. That's our example. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That's what he says in verse 11. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So it's... Because I have come to realize how much God loves me and I have responded to His expression of love by saying, God, I give you my life. I trust you for the forgiveness of my sin because He loved me, a vile, wretched sinner. I ought also to love one another. And what he's saying here is, If we are not, and he's arguing from the minor to the major, if we don't love the little things, how do we think we love the big thing, if you please, to love God? 
And because God so loved us, he says in verse 11, we ought to love one another. But in verse 21, he says, this is not ought to love, but this is a commandment that he who loveth God love his brother also. When we fail to love others, we need to seek God's forgiveness and ask Him to help us show His love through our life. Do you long to love Jesus more? Start loving the people around you more. Remember, love for Jesus and love for others always go together. Songwriter has said, Loved with everlasting love, led by grace, that love to know. Gracious Spirit from above, Thou hast taught me it is so. Oh, this full and perfect peace, oh, this transport all divine, in a love which cannot cease, I am His and He is mine. And if that is what is in our heart, that is what will flow out of our lives. And John, really, the more you're in First John, the more you realize he is really cutting a, with a sharp edge some dividing lines here that says, no, 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 don't just, don't just talk about this love. Because love for God is always accompanied by love for our Christian brothers and sisters. And he says, if we can't love those made in his image who are a member of his family, we're not even talking about loving our enemies now. We're talking about professing believers If we allow things to get in the way between us, that we are not able to invest in their lives in practical, tangible ways, manifesting love, he says, there's a major problem here. And if I don't have that love, I am deceived. You know, the point is for every one of us to step back in our life and take the moral test. Do I say I love God and walk in disobedience to Him, knowing disobedience? He said, nope, those two don't go together. doesn't mean we won't disobey. It means when we do, the Spirit of God convicts us and we repent and we seek His forgiveness. Do I say I love God and make a Jesus after my own imagination? He said, no, you can't do that. You can't love God and, and, and make up this Jesus that isn't taught in the Word. And then he says, do I say I love God but don't love the brethren? What did you do this last week to invest in any fellow believer's life? What did you do this last week to manifest love 
to those that you really like? And what did you do this last week to manifest love to those you might not really like? You know, I, I look back, and, and we mentioned earlier, church is God's place to perfect and purify believers. And honestly, the thing that draws us together is Jesus Christ. Honestly, if, if it weren't for Jesus Christ, there are such diversity of interest and personalities here that you never would have ended up being a friend to the people that are here because probably your lives never would have intersected. And you may be thinking, that wouldn't be all bad. You're thinking that in some regard, or we all have thought that in times. But you know what? God puts some which we consider unusual people into our lives to give us an opportunity to learn love. And that's one of the purposes of a church. That we would have an opportunity. It's not just um, gathering people that are just like us and agree with us on everything. And we sit around and have a little kumbaya around the campfire, you know. God puts us here to manifest His love through us to others and to grow us. And that's what makes a difference. And that's what confirms you have this assurance that you are a child of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ is in you and it's manifested in your desire for obedience, your commitment to the Jesus Christ of the Word of God, and your love for one another. Where we got in the idea that... um, that church is something you show up to Sunday morning or if you're more committed Sunday morning, Sunday night, or if you're a top-notch Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night or whatever. And, and then that's it. It's not just to come hear this. It's to function. It's to learn to love. God, help me to manifest your love to me by loving others. So let me ask you this question. If there's one person God's bringing to mind and asking you to show in a real, tangible way love, who is it that he's bringing to mind? Ask the Lord that. Be careful. It might be somebody that you're not too interested in doing that, and that's a good thing. That means God's at work. And then will you do that? Will you manifest that? And it's not just this is just this is just the baby step. If we're truly a child of God, we ought to see every person that comes into our life, but especially every believer that we rub shoulders with, that we have contact with, God, how can I love them for you? What in a practical, tangible way can I do? to minister and encourage and help and build up. And John says, as James says and as others said, 
be doers of the Word, not hearers only. Don't talk about God. Show me God. Don't say, I love God. Manifest that through obedience, through our spirit in Jesus Christ, and through our love for one another. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bring home to each and every one of our hearts these truths, and I pray that there would be an abundance of godly biblical love manifested in our marriages, in our homes, in this church body, and Lord, to whoever we come in contact with. May it not be a a worldly, emotional, motivated love, but Lord, a genuine love as You loved us. I pray if there's an individual here today that is, has never responded to Your love, that today they would welcome and receive Your love. And Lord, I pray for each one here today that professes to know You. May we truly examine our hearts to see if there is genuinely in us a love for you that is manifested by a love for others. Lord, I pray that you would open my eyes, open our eyes to any self-deception that we have and that you would be glorified through it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.